0: audio podcast network and then middle of that i realized like wait no i don't actually want to be a doctor that's my dad's dream for me it's not mine but i did not have the tools or practice figuring out for myself what i really wanted so i just kind of fell into what everyone else was doing at the time
1: welcome to the awkward mom stage podcast grab yourself a glass of water or wine whichever suits your day and get ready because the awkward mom stage starts now Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the podcast. If you're new here, hi, hello, and welcome. I'm Lola, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I'm sitting down with Sheila Akbar. She holds a bachelor's and master's degree from Harvard University and two doctoral degrees from Indiana University. She joined the Signet team in 2010, bringing her wealth of experience teaching SAT, ACT, GRE, literature, and composition in both one-on-one and classroom settings. Sheila loves helping teenagers develop a vision for their future and working closely with students to help overcome the challenges that they face. She's helping students tune into oneself, break the mold, supporting teens struggling with mental health that stems from academics, all while navigating big decisions using a values-based framework. I'm excited to have Sheila on to help guide so many of us going through the school process right now. So let's get into my conversation with Sheila Akbar. Hi, Sheila. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting.
1: I'm so glad you were able to chat with me today. Like I was telling you, I also have a college-bound child, so this was perfect timing. Yeah, good. I'm really glad. So I always like to give a little intro at the beginning of the episode for my guests, just a little short intro to introduce everyone into our conversation but I like at the beginning of the show to have my guests do a full introduction of themselves to give a better backstory. So if you will please go ahead and tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got started. Sure.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, So I'm Sheila. Um, I guess my full name is Sheila Akbar. I am the president and CEO of a company called Signet Education, and we're a full-service educational consulting company. We see our mission as Helping teenagers find their path and then supporting them as they walk that path with a suite of, you know, comprehensive academic and college prep services. So we do test prep and tutoring and college admissions advising. And we also do something we call academic coaching, which is really more like life coaching plus executive function coaching for teenagers, which is really like the most fun thing that we do, um, but we like to think about the student really holistically, um, and that makes us a little bit different from your typical tutoring company. Um, how I got here is an interesting story. I'll try to keep it short, um, but basically I was a really academically driven kid going, growing up. I went to Harvard, and I thought I was going to be a doctor, And then in the middle of that, I realized like, wait, no, I don't actually want to be a doctor. That's my dad's dream for me. It's not mine. Um, But I did not have the tools um, or practice figuring out for myself what I really wanted. So I just kind of fell into what everyone else was doing at the time, which um, at the beginning of the 2000s was going to work on Wall Street. So I did that and, um, you know, felt some measure of success by external standards, but internally felt just a ton of turmoil. I didn't enjoy what I was doing. I didn't feel that I was working with people that inspired me. I didn't have anyone to look up to. And I was like, what have I done? I've just put myself on this path that I have no business being on. Uh, so I left. I felt like a big fat quitter and didn't know what to do next because still I didn't have that kind of inner reflection muscle developed to figure out what what was right for me. So I tried a bunch of different things um, but I realized as I was sort of floundering and flip-flopping between all these different possible career paths I realized the one thing that was keeping me sane was this poetry that I had studied in my undergrad And it was something that I discovered in high school it's um, you know, Persian literature from the 13th century is very obscure. And it was just so calming and beautiful and interesting to me that I realized, oh, I should go and study that thing that has been my interest all along and brings me so much joy. So I went back to grad school, I did a master's, I did two PhDs. Um, and in the course of my PhDs on this material, I started tutoring because grad school doesn't pay very well. So um, I tutored with a number of different companies. I had moved back to Boston to write my dissertation where a good friend of mine had already started Signet. And I joined him as a tutor and looked around and said, wow, I can see all of these things that we could do better. And then I just started doing them. And I felt really fulfilled because I got to work with students. Uh, and teaching has always been really meaningful and rewarding to me. Uh, so that was my, literally my job daily. I was just working with students hour and after, after hour, after hour, helping them have those sort of light bulb moments. And I got to use the skills and experience that I had gained from, You know, even being a pre-med, I was able to tutor, you know, math and science. I certainly used a lot of my financial skills from working on Wall Street. And then that life experience of feeling like, oh, I'm gonna quit this and I don't know how to figure out what's next, and how do I get to like that path that's for me? That's the heart of what we do at Signet with teenagers, teaching them those skills. That's what we do in our coaching practice, helping them develop a vision for themselves. Learn, learn to lean on reflection and um, help them chart their own paths. So it was both like so meaningful to me to be able to pass on my experience and help other kids, you know, not have that feeling of I'm just constantly failing and when am I going to figure it out and have them change their mind shift to or mindset to, oh, this is the process. I have to try a bunch of things and then think about how I feel about it. And then I'm going to be able to hone in on the thing that's you know, so important and meaningful to me, where everything just clicks in pay, in place. So I feel very, very fortunate to have had the journey that I have, and that's what has brought me here today.
1: That's awesome. Thank you, as President. As the president and, uh, and C- COO of Sigma mm-hmm. Education, I know for me, when I when I was a receptionist in the college admissions office, it was there was always constant confusion. So, what's like the number one problem or like the biggest struggle? or question you see a lot of students and parents having when they come to you?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, there are a couple of them, you know, since we do so much, uh, and we work with students really from eighth grade all the way up to graduate school. So we see a lot of things. But there are two, I think, that are just really, really common right now. One is kind of the fallout from remote learning and COVID learning. Um, If your child actually learned something during that time, um, there's a lot of concern about, you know, my my kid doesn't have the executive function skills to manage their time and deal with this workload, um, or even just like the the feeling of overstimulation from being in a high school when maybe the first two years of high school they were just at home looking at a screen, right? Um, it's very distracting. And there are all sorts of social dynamics, as we know, um, that you know weren't as present for students when they were doing remote school. So that sort of adjustment back into the traditional school setting um, is is very difficult for people, but it's also coming with the realization that, oh, maybe there are some executive function deficits, or maybe there's a learning difference that nobody really paid attention to, but it, you know, became clear during during COVID that that's something that the student is struggling with. So um, there's a little bit of trying to make up for lost time, but a lot of, like, I think, uh, a reckoning with the reality of what a student's strengths and areas for improvements are. And then a lot of families saying, OK, we need to supplement in these ways so that they can um, feel confident in their studies. It's not so much of a let's get back on a certain timeline or a certain achievement you know, schedule. It's more like let's just get them what they need so they feel successful. Um, So that's one part of of what I'm seeing right now. The other big thing is like college admissions confusion, just like you said, right? Um, It's always, I think, been a confusing and stressful process because every college does it a little bit differently. It helps that many of them use the common application. And there's like one form that, you know, over 800 colleges will use. Um, But even then, some colleges put their extra essay questions in a section that says writing supplement. Some of them they're hidden somewhere else. Some of them you won't even get them until you submit your application, and then they'll email them to you, and you have to submit those. So it, it can be a very stressful process trying to figure all that out. And then add to that the test optional movement that you know has been going on since the '80s, but really you know almost every college was test optional during COVID, and some of them have come back and said, "Alright, we now we're going to require the test again." Others have committed for the next, you know, 3 or 4 years that they're not going to require tests. But families are really concerned, what does it mean? It's optional, but is there something better for me to do? Like should we still take the test? Right. So what are the situations where we don't take a test? Like if we take a test and get this score, should we submit it or not submit it? And so there's like all of this sort of strategizing that families feel they need to do to put their student in the best light for that college admissions process. So I feel a lot of questions about that. Um, And we do a lot of work helping students discover is test optional a better pathway for you or is it the SAT or the ACT um, and what kind of colleges should you be looking at given your interests and your strengths? And, you know, that whole thing is probably the first time that these students have to make a really impactful decision on their life. And, you know, some people put way too much weight on it. You know, where you go to college does not determine your life, does not determine your happiness, does not determine your financial well-being. Um but it, it doesn't not determine some of those things, right? right? Um, it can have an impact on all of those things. So it's it's a really big deal. And we think it's a really important time for students to start to take some ownership of the direction of their life, right? And not just do what mom and dad said, this is what you have to do, because it's what we've always done. Um, but to really think about what do they want out of their life? What are their goals? And what kind of education is going to help them get there? And then pursue that. Right.
1: like I went through that role of wanting to do what my parents wanted me to do my grandma said oh yeah dibble and dabbling and all the different things before like trying to figure out what I actually wanted and I'm sure the college admissions process is completely different than it was when I went. can you walk us through kind of what the college admissions process is I know for a lot of people they either have never None of their family members have gone to college yeah. or they don't know how to do it or it's coming up soon. So,
0: Right, right. Well, I think a lot of people think about the college admissions process as the actual time when you're filling out applications, right? Which is certainly a big part of it, right? You right. have to, you know, send in your transcripts, get recommendations from teachers, write some essays, you know, send those, send those off to the school. But we really see that as the very end of the process. The process is actually your entire education. And that's not to say, you know, ninth graders, you better start freaking out about whether you're going to this college or taking the SAT. Not at all. But we like to say you need to be intentional about this. Um, Your college application is going to be a document that represents your four years or however many years you spent in high school. They really don't care about what happened before ninth grade. You know, I I have a student who's like a chess champion, but that was like in seventh grade. Sorry, we can't really you know do much with that now. but uh, the classes you take are important, and the things you do outside of school are important. The relationships you build with teachers are important. Um and it's not to say every single one of those needs to be, you know calculated so that you're, you know, strategizing the exact right path to, whatever college. There's right. there's no such thing. And so we think about the process as starting with exploration. And it's as much an exploration of self as it is the world. Uh, and that sounds really like touchy-feely and vague. Uh, but what it really translates to is helping students just see they have this amazing opportunity to learn whatever they want. And they should figure out and pay attention to what resonates with them? What's exciting to them? What's not exciting to them? Sometimes it's a little easier for them to say like, oh God, I hate this. than oh, I really love this thing. And that's fine too. It's important to know what you hate and why you hate it. Um, but, you know, freshman year, typically students are just taking classes that are required. So somebody else chose them for the students, but they can still reflect and say, wow, I really like my English class. I like reading drama or I, I loved um, when we did some geometry in my math class or some specific area of science, because that might mean that's something they should explore further, right? And they can do that in so many ways now. It could be a summer course. It could be an online free course on like edX or um, Coursera. It could be talking to the neighbor who works in that field, um, it could be watching YouTube videos or something on TikTok about something like that, right? And they just get a little more exposure to those things that interest them. They may discover a field of uh, study or a career path they never knew existed that for whatever reason, really speaks to them and their strengths. And so it's just kind of taking stock of those things that needs to happen in ninth and 10th grade. And that's also true for extracurriculars. It it could be that they play sports. It could be that they're on the student government or write for the newspaper, or maybe they're part of um, some sort of political club or, you know, an ethnic uh, club, like related to their uh, ethnic background or or something like that. You know, they want to be able to um, engage with other people who have similar interests and also learn more about those interests. And they don't have to be things that are related to a future career or an academic area. They really can be things that they just do for fun. Sometimes that makes the most interesting stories when, you know, I had a student a couple of years ago um, and she was like a really hardcore computer science person and she did coding and she built websites for people and all of this stuff. And we're talking about how she learned grit or something and she's like oh yeah you know I'm a black belt in taekwondo and you know this thing happened it really taught me this lesson I was like mind blown wait a second you like have a black belt in taekwondo I had no idea this is great <laughs> um, and it's really great when you can surprise people with those sorts of right. things right as they're not just oriented towards computer stuff or or whatever it is that you think you're going to pursue. So I'm rambling a little bit, but that's like ninth and tenth grade. Explore, figure out what you like, what you don't like, right? Try to make relationships with your teachers, learn as much as you can from everybody around you. And then hopefully that process is going to help you hone in on a couple of things that you really like that you can explore in more depth, maybe through a summer program after 10th grade or you know, you arrange an internship or a part-time job or who knows what. After 10th grade, we sort of like to think about uh, this question of testing that we were talking about earlier. Should you test? Which test should you take? How much are you going to study for it? When are you going to take it? I just like to see people make a plan at that point. They don't have to get it done right then, but start thinking about it so that you're not surprised by it later. And then junior year is like the big year. Um, in a lot of different ways, right? The classes are usually the hardest they've ever seen. That's a really intense year, just academically. They may be in a position where they can start to take more responsibility in a club or one of their after-school activities, or they take some sort of leadership role, whether or not it's an elected position. And then they should also be thinking about, okay, given all this exploration, I think I might want to major in one of these fields, or I might want to go to this kind of school where they have a co-op program where I get to work as part of my education and really get that hands-on experience. Um, and so we start thinking about um, college preferences more seriously from what area of the country do they wanna be in, how big of a school, how small of a school, what kind of people do they wanna be around? And then of course, you know, what majors, what kind of things do they wanna make sure are present in that campus that they wanna take advantage of? And then junior spring, maybe starting to visit a couple of college campuses to see if those preferences that we've been dreaming about actually translate to something in real life that you like. Um, And then junior summer, really writing all of the application materials and all of that, getting that out of the way before senior year gets underway. And then you can just really focus on having a fun senior year. So that's what we see as the college process. It's a lot longer than most people. And it's it's a little difficult because developmentally, teenagers are not ready to think about where, where do I want to be in three or four years or what kind of career do I want to have They're just not ready to think about that in ninth or 10th grade. Most of the time, they don't even want to think about it until one of their friends starts thinking about it or freaking out about it, which might not be till the fall of senior year, right? So this is like kind of a message for parents of like, you've got to kind of balance what your kid is ready for with what's going to be best for them. And what's best for them is not always what you think is best for them, right? Right helping them develop the skills to figure that out for themselves and helping them gain independence.
1: 2022 has been all about celebrating our newfound self-awareness and making positive change. Something this podcast works hard to do every day. Audible helps make space for what matters to you. It's a destination for your wellness, whether you're looking to soul search, be inspired, work towards new goals, unwind, or simply be entertained. I've certainly had time this year to figure out what truly makes me happy, and well, we all know I love Audible. I talk about them all the time. I solved my reading problem with Audible over four years ago, and it's been amazing. It's perfect because they offer books that are narrated by professional voice actors and sometimes the authors themselves. You can listen while driving, cooking, cleaning, or doing anything else that you need your hands free for. It's like having a personal assistant who reads to you whenever you want. Think Diddy and his umbrella-holding manservant, but with books. With the new update, they have podcasts, sleep meditations, and more. There really is something for everyone, and the best part is it doesn't cost you anything to start. Click the link in the show notes to sign up today at audibletrial.com slash stage and get 30 days and your first book free. All of their books are DRM-free, which means they aren't locking them away from other devices, even if your subscription expires or you cancel. You can still keep and access all the books you've already purchased. Just download them again from anywhere, anytime. There's over 180,000 titles available to choose from, and that number just keeps growing. Visit audibletrial.com slash theawkwardmomstage to get started on your reading list today. Now back to the show. What do you normally do? Like, what would someone do if they did wait until senior year to start really seriously thinking about college? What? Yeah, and that's not a problem. I mean, there are plenty of people who who
0: you know who do that. You know, I have I have students who call me the first week of December saying, I don't even know <laughs> where I'm going to apply. I'm like, okay. <laughs> We have some work to do, but we can do it. You may not have all the choices that you might have had had you started earlier, especially since tests are not required at every school. Many schools have very streamlined applications or you don't have all these extra essays to write. It's definitely doable. I think um, if we were going to look at kind of a shortened timeline of the college process, it would sort of be figure out what schools are the right fit for you first, because that's actually where the entire college strategy lies is figuring out what's a fit for you. So that can be done, but, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of work and time to do the research and, you know, really look at a college's website and maybe some reviews to see, is this a place that I could see myself living for four years? Uh, and or are these the people I want to be around? Right. But spend a lot of time on that. And then once you've got your list of schools, it might be like eight to 10 colleges that you want to apply to maybe less, depending on, you know, your preferences, um, then you really just want to start tackling the essays in a very systematic way. Um, A lot of students think they're going to pull an all-nighter and get a college essay out of it. They might get something out of it, but I guarantee they would get something better out of it if they spent half an hour every day for a week instead of trying to do it all in one day, because the college essay is, is a different kind of writing. It's a little more
1: reflective. Right. Um, so realistically, you start really thinking about college and everything, like ninth grade-ish, getting into...
0: Yeah, ninth, ninth and tenth grade is really more just like, let me just get the most out of high school, right? right? They may not even use the word college, right? It's really just, what's in front of me? What do I want to try? What do I like? What do I not like, right? But it's junior year, definitely, like, you want to start using the word college and saying, what, you know, what do you think you want out of your college experience?
1: Right, Yeah. Okay, so we always hear about, like, backup school. So yeah. So when people have, like, a specific school that they're kind of, like, honing in on, do you think having a backup school is a good idea, or do you think it takes away the focus from getting into that one school that you really want?
0: Yeah, so um, we don't like to use the language backup school. Um, I usually call it a likely school, right, a school where you're likely to get in. Right. Um, and you know, for, for that dream school, or maybe it's called a reach school, right? The one that you're really just hoping, striving for, right? Um, you definitely want to have some of those on your list. It can be very motivating for students, really, to, to say, oh, yeah, I want to go to, I don't know, NYU, right? really exciting for them, right? But the college process is quite selective, and you want to have a range of options on your school list. And what we always say is figure out what you want first and then go find that range of schools that offer that to you. And some of them may be selective, as selective as an NYU or even more selective because there are some colleges that are more. Um, and some of them might not be selective at all, but you would still be able to study what you want to study, be around the people you want to be around, be in that learning environment that you have you know, figured out is the right one for you um, and still have all the opportunities after college that you would if you went to one of these other very selective schools. So for for the most part, those likely schools have less, uh, let's say, barriers to ap- applying, but like they might not have extra essays or anything like that. So it, it should be easy for them to add that onto their list. Um, in most cases, what happens is students will aim for a dream school, maybe they apply early, and they write all those essays, but in order to apply to that school, they also have to complete the common application, and then the common application is done, so then you use that for any other schools that you want to apply to that don't have those extra essays, so it's really not extra work to to add those kinds of schools to the list. I I think it's really important, And and I want to stress again that it's so important for students not to see them as like the consolation prize, or the backup, right? They should actually be excited about those schools. And the only difference between that school and let's say NYU, I don't know why I'm picking on NYU, um, is that the acceptance rate is
1: different. Now, I feel like so many students are like, they have a dream school. And, but they're stressing because they're not sure if they're going to be able to get into that dream. Especially mm-hmm. if they may not, they were kind of lacking in the beginning of their school career, like ninth and 10th grade, they were kind of like, eh. and then they got a little more serious. What advice would you give them for trying to go for a school that they may, they may feel like they don't have a chance of getting in now because they don't have those four years plus of accolades?
0: hmm. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I'll say is that colleges do care about grade trends. They like to see obviously like to see strong grades from students. They like to see the students challenge themselves. Um, but they're also interested in seeing that students are getting better each year. So it's okay if freshman year was a little rocky and you learn some things about how you need to study or what kinds of classes you need to take, and then sophomore, year, you you kind of figured it out. Or even if that happened later in high school. We actually work with a lot of students who um, have a diagnosis of a learning disability sometime in their junior year, and nobody knew about it until then. Um, and it just changes everything for them, right? right? And that doesn't mean that they're, quote unquote, out of the running for some of these top schools. Um, what it does mean is you wanna consider very carefully um, how you want to share that story with them, because there's a story about why your grades changed. Right. And if you can give them that context in a way that doesn't sound like you're making an excuse for it, <laughs> but shows that you learned something from that, you know, time of struggle, and that you've been able to, you know, pull it together since then or whatever. Um, that's a really important piece of information for the college admissions officers to know.
1: I feel like of course with COVID and the learning. Yeah, sure. I myself have noticed it. My, with all of my kids, it was a complete and total readjustment for them going back into school. What advice would you give for those who they doing like great, you know, when school was going, and then COVID kind of happened, and then anxiety and depression kind of creeped in. I know that's at like an all-time high right now. Uh-huh. What do you think's happening in schools? Aside from, I mean, of course, there's the whole going back into that social aspect, but what do you think is happening in school today that's kind of bringing out or contributing to the epidemic of anxiety? Yeah,
0: sure. Well, um, first, I want to say I'm you know, not a mental health clinician, right? right. Um, what I can tell you is what I see working with students, and it's sort of a layman's look at all of this. The other thing I'll say is um, I'm sure some of it has to do with what's happening in schools. Um, But I think a lot of it has to do with what's happening in our world and our system, right? Um, So, you know, the two things that I see most contributing to my students' anxiety, one is just this extreme uncertainty, right? There's uncertainty about, like, well, what happens to my COVID grades, right? Some some schools were pass-fail. Right. During that first year of remote learning. So what does that mean for my GPA or for my college applications? This question of do I test? Do I not test? What does that mean? Uh, you know, worries about, well, I wasn't able to play my sport all four years because COVID had canceled this. Like, how is that going to look? Or what does that mean for my ability to play this sport? Maybe in college? I don't know. Um, so there's all this uncertainty in terms of like the local school environment but there's a ton of like existential uncertainty, right? And right. I think the younger generations are feeling a, a lot more, and I, I commend them for it, than older generations are. But this climate anxiety, right? We, we see it all the time. There's a terrible hurricane in Florida. And you can't watch that and also see the you know fires out West and floods in Pakistan and drought in Europe. And you can't not unsee it and pretend like, oh, everything's just fine. I'm going to go ahead and plan my future, right? I think a lot of these kids are really worried about, like, what's going to happen? What's the next natural disaster that's going to hit us? And why aren't the people in charge doing anything about it? I think that's a very legitimate thing to be anxious about or angry about, and maybe both. Um, And then, you know, there's a lot of, um, I think, just personal safety stuff that's happening with all the school shootings in, in the U.S. in particular. Um, so all kinds of things contributing to uncertainty. And, and you know, depending on what happened for a family during COVID, maybe a parent lost a job. Maybe both parents lost a job. Maybe the parents split up. Who so, You know, lots of things can be contributing to that sense of, like, instability right. or and let's not forget how hard the teenage years were for all of us. You know, we made it through, but adolescence is a trip, you know? Like, there's some real things happening there that you're just changes in your body, changes in your homo- hormones, changes in the way you think, um, changes in friendships, high school drama, all of that, right? So, all of that is on top of the normal adolescent angst, right? That's happening. So, there's this big, you know, vortex of uncertainty. The other thing that's happening is, um, partly because of COVID um, and other factors, um, I feel like people want to compare themselves to other people even more than before, right? Part of it is social media, right? And I think hopefully most kids realize that what we see on social media is a curated version of somebody's life. It's the best selfie. It's not the natural one at the moment. Um, And it's also um, happening when we hear about, oh, this kid started a nonprofit and did all these amazing things like, They struggled, too, right? You're just hearing this wonderful story after the fact, right? Um, So they're comparing themselves to other kids uh, on social media. They have seen that um, already very selective colleges have gotten even more selective. And so they're wondering, am I going to make it? Am I going to get in? And they tie that acceptance to their own self-worth. right? And that's the thing that we are really trying to dislodge with, with students. Like you are not where you go to school. Your college acceptance is not a stamp of success, right? There's so many people who went to, um, you know, what people would consider the the best colleges who are truly unhappy with their lives. Right. right? Um, And then there are people who maybe even never went to college and have found all sorts of happiness and success. And so We kind of want to get away from this idea that an achievement is going to make you happy. I was just reading a really great article about this the other day. It's progress. It's a sense that you've made personal progress that actually brings people happiness. It's not, I got the promotion or I um, am able to bench press this amount of weight. It's, I used to be able to do only this much, and now I'm doing this much. Um, So you should actually be, I guess, competing with yourself and not with other people. Um, and that's really what's going to bring you that true self-improvement, that growth, that happiness. Um, so until I think we as a society kind of stop just worshiping certain colleges and certain degrees um, or even certain um, business people. You know, um, and and look at their achievements as you know oh, we all want to be billionaires like this person or run a company like that person. Uh, and really start encouraging people to find their own definition of success. Um, we're going to continue having these these challenges.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I feel like COVID was kind of like this weird thing where, adults that were already out of college and everything else, or even college students who had already gone through you know, the whole start they were already in it they kind of figured out like oh what I want to do with my life I'm just gonna quit this and I'm gonna follow my dreams and I feel like yeah. the younger ones who haven't like graduated or gone through any of that yet they're seeing that and they're like oh well why even go to college at all I'm not even gonna try <laughs> now like, I'm just gonna do this because they're saying that they can do x y and z and I'm gonna be the next whatever so yeah I feel like COVID was like helpful for Adult, a lot of adults to kind of like find a new career path or a new business or something like that. But for kids, especially in school, I feel like it was like a really weird, awkward time for them where they're like, okay, so college is not important.
0: And yeah, they're getting all these mixed messages. Yes, for like
1: sure. Yeah, like everyone's saying it's so expensive. Like, should I be trying for this? Like, I feel like that's the yeah. whole kind of rhetoric now so colleges like the and i always also heard about like the bigger schools like nyu mm-hmm. yale and harvard like mm-hmm. no one actually really talked about like smaller schools that like you know were maybe in your hometown or something i feel like people kind of look down on those colleges like oh yeah. it's not like it's not this big well-known name i'm not gonna get like a good job or i'm not gonna get this spot in whatever it is they're trying to do because they didn't necessarily go to that big traditional school have like any advice for them on to kind of ease them from not yeah. have to go to that Ivy league. Oh, absolutely. Get where they
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, not uh, the Ivy league isn't for everybody and that doesn't mean like you're not good enough to get into the Ivy league. It's just, right. it's just not for everybody. And I think it's important to recognize like who, again, I'm going to go back to like who you are, who you want to be, who you want to learn with and find those people wherever they are. Right. Right. Um, Because certainly some schools have relationships with employers or just have such a recognizable brand name. It's going to open some doors for you. Right. But really, if you go to, Let's say your whatever college is in your town that nobody has heard of, quote unquote. Um, you're going to be that big fish in the small pond and get to work directly with your professors. You could turn that into an amazing opportunity to publish research or create an invention and have it patented with a professor, and you know win a research grant or you know get get something um, that at a bigger school you would really have to compete for right? Uh, With just, you know, tremendous talent, and it would be unlikely that, you know, you would get it. But since you're at a smaller school, you know, you have more access. And, you know, for a lot of students staying close to home, maybe even living at home when they're in college is a really good idea, whether that's for financial reasons, or because, you know, they aren't quite ready to live independently, or maybe they have health concerns, who knows what, right? There are all sorts of different reasons that you're going to choose a different college. And, it's not like the further away you go from home, the better off you are, right? right? So that's one thing I would say. Another thing is, you know, we get all tied up in these rankings, and the rankings are just made up. They're completely made up. And, you know, people on the inside kind of know that, um, but people on the outside do not. Uh, So those rankings mean nothing, they mean nothing. And I always tell people, uh, I had a student once who really wanted to his own business and he wanted to be he wanted to study business as an undergrad and he like had all these ideas about it and he kept telling me i want to go to harvard i'm like you know you can't study business at harvard as an undergrad they do not have a business major um you can't even take an accounting class at harvard you actually have to do it at mit you get on the bus and go down the road to mit and take accounting and then come back and so you know it's really not the place you need to go if that's what you want to do. um Babson, which is also in the Boston area, has an amazing entrepreneurship program. And if that's really your passion, that's maybe one of the schools that you should be targeting, you know. And a lot of students forget that not every school offers every major. And, you know, different schools have different relationships with different industries um, or are going to prepare you better or worse for the thing it is that you wanna go do. And so it only serves you to figure out what place is going to meet your goals and and offer the training and experience and network that you really need to go on to whatever that thing is that you wanna do, right? Right. And it's not just, I have to go to the best named school because they may not be the one for it. You know, um, my PhD, so I did my undergrad and my master's at Harvard. And when I went to go do my PhD, I didn't even consider Harvard because the kind of scholarly uh, guidance I needed was not there anymore. And uh, there was a a professor there whose work I had used in my master's thesis, who was at Indiana University. And my parents were the first ones to ask me, like, what the hell are you doing (laughs) going from Harvard to Indiana University? And, you know, at, at Indiana, I had not only this man's Full attention, because there was nobody else really studying Persian poetry at the level I was. Um, there were also two really amazing scholars of Arabic poetry, uh, a very robust comparative literature department, all kinds of resources that I, they just didn't have at Harvard. Right. And beyond that, it was so much cheaper. Like I was able to buy a house and have a car and get a dog, and I like kind of live this really nice life while I was there. Um, and a lot of people, like, could not understand that I would leave this sort of reputable brand name school. Right. But I got a better education. I got more experience. I had more access to all the things that I really needed to do the thing I wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I think everyone forgets that, like, just because it's a big, like, name school, just know everyone's trying to go there. Especially That's true, yeah. Whatever your field is, if they specialize in it, they're trying to go there. So you're not gonna get that kind of one-on-one or closeness that you would get wait sometimes you can't even reach your professor when you need them for whatever and in smaller yeah. schools and you're able to email them and say hey I don't mm. understand this and I see you you know and I think that kind of gets lost in the yeah. name. sometimes they don't think they okay, well this thing that I'm studying if I need more help or if I need this or if I want to build a relationship so that I can learn a little easier or so that they can help me in learning. Like they're not going to focus on one person's how they learn. Say, mm-hmm. Like would school right now where you can pull your teacher aside or your teacher pulls and you, you get aside that says, kind of hey, attention,
0: you know, let's mm-hmm. work on
1: this. They're not going to do that for you. And like a big school, right. they've got hundreds of students. They are not, you are just the number at some point. Yeah. So I think that gets lost because for me, I went to a smaller school and it was nice to be able to, have that relationship with my professors to be like, hey, you know, I'm not really understanding this. Can you kind of help mm-hmm. me out? And them actually being able to be there where mm-hmm. I've had friends who went to, you know, big name schools and they're like, I'm really stressed out. I'm struggling and I can't get hold of my professor. Like it's a nightmare. right? So there's no one to help. Too, I did have that like, what if I kind of wanted to do the college life where I lived in the dorm and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a whole different thing that comes with that, that I feel like, Kids don't really like think about because all they're thinking about is like college, the name, like this is what I have to do. This is what everyone. Yeah. But there's like so much more to it. And so many options for school now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. For real. And there's over 7000 colleges and universities in the United States alone. And then you think about the rest of the world. uh, You've got a lot of options and you really need to think about what's the reality. You know, like, everybody dreams, oh, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to go to these parties, I'm going to go to the football game, or I'm going to, you know, join a frat or whatever. But, like, could you see yourself living in this town? Can you see yourself being friends with the people on campus? Like, do you feel comfortable, or would you have access to ask your professor for help around whatever it is, right? Do you need someone to look up, like, check in on you if you don't show up to class? Right. Or... You know, are you fine really trying to advocate for yourself and, and you know, get a place in that professor's office hours in front of like, you know, 500 other kids, right? right. Um, and some students thrive with that kind of competition and that, that sort of big atmosphere, and some people really don't. And so it's worth figuring out which kind of student are you? <laughs> so you can go to a place that's really going to enable your success, because that's what this is about, right? It's what happens after college that actually matters. Um, and so I, I encourage people not to think about rankings, but think about outcomes, think about your goals, what you want to do, what you're trying to explore and which one is going to set you up better for what comes after.
1: Do you want to start a podcast, but you don't know where to start as the host and producer of this podcast, I can tell you it's definitely not easy. When I started out, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing or where to start. Buzzsprout has been my go-to from the start of my podcast. They have so many helpful videos on hosting, how to edit, how to add music, how to post, what to post. I mean, you name it and they help you with it. And their Facebook community is helpful too. If you're trying to start a podcast or you already have a podcast and you're looking to upgrade, definitely check out Buzzsprout. They have everything you need to get started, even a domain name if you don't already have one. Trust me, I'm no tech genius, and Buzzsprout has definitely been my saving grace. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Follow the link in the show notes to let Buzzsprout know we sent you, and get a $20 credit when you sign up for a paid plan. Now back to the show. Now I feel like, of course, in our country, we do not have free education, Mm-hmm. most Americans don't even have health insurance, let alone a financial plan for college. So right. do you have any advice or tips for parents that are going through this transition right now? And they're like, oh my gosh, they're thinking of the fees associated with graduation and college and everything else. What can you tell them kind of like help them through or get ready for this transition?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's important to to consider that the investment that you're going to make and is it going to be worth it, right? And that's where um, that work, doing the exploration and reflection, figure out what you do, like try to test it out in some way is so valuable because we see so many kids going off to college. They thought it was where they wanted to be, but they didn't really think about the reality of it or what the reality of, you know, this or that major was. They get there. They're like, oh, I cannot handle this or I do not like this. And they just flame out. Right. Right. And then they're so traumatized by that experience, they have trouble going back, you know, or it might be they take a year off of college and then they do some classes at community college and they eventually get back and finish their degree. But if they had taken stock uh, more seriously of themselves earlier and really had that you know, very clear-eyed assessment of their own strengths, skills, what they really need in their environment to be successful, um, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Maybe they wouldn't have gone to that school, or they wouldn't have chosen that major, or they would have um, set up their life a little bit differently, managed their time differently, you know, if they had those skills. And then you think about, you've saved this, this young adult a uh, traumatic experience, Right. right. You've saved the parents maybe a year or two of college tuition that, you know, when they went down the drain and then, you know, all the therapy and coaching and all of that stuff that, you know, you need to do to get them back on that, on that track if they want to go back to college. Um, it, it's worth investing the time in high school to really think through all of this. It's not just, right. oh, file your applications, you go wherever, you know, um, it really is about preparing them for college. And that's not just writing the application, that's helping them gain the independence and skills, tools, systems, you know, the ability to ask for help, lean on a network, all of that. We see so many kids now who are really struggling and they don't know how to ask for help because they think they have to be perfect all the time. Right? And that's something, if you see it in your kid, that's something you gotta jump on really, really quickly because it can get out of hand.
1: Yeah, I feel like there, it's also like a huge, culture shock for them because i feel like it's the one time because you know start working when you're in high school you're like 16 and all that you start getting your first jobs and stuff i feel like it's um, like first look at like oh like this is what it's like to be an adult like i'm on my Uh, own you no longer have your parents or your teachers like why aren't you or how come you didn't do this or mom waking you up making like sure you no know yeah. so if you show up to class late and your professor's like oh well you're late don't come in guess what you missed that day you're still right. going to get charged for it like mm-hmm. still goes on for everyone so yep. I feel like it's a huge shock to them to be like oh wow like this is kind of like what it's like being an adult so I feel like especially with some kids who did go to do that whole college experience where they do the dorm and everything some of them come back home after the first year and they're like oh like that was too much too much going yeah on at once like i can't Absolutely. i've got to do the school and the the work and the everything all on my own like mom's not here i'm living with people i've never met before like it's a whole and yeah and maybe and, you don't get
0: along with them or who knows right. what else is happening right yeah yeah, it's stressful it really is And so the more you can prepare a child for that the, the better and there are some kids who are just not ready for that and that's fine too and There are plenty of people who take a gap year after high school, and that can be the most valuable experience for them. Just spend it working and they get a taste of that adult life, you know, and then they're like, oh, no, no, I really want to go to school, (laughs) you know, instead of having to work all the time. So, you know, there are a lot of different pathways to it. And I think it's really important that we teach our kids to listen to themselves around, you know, what what they feel ready for and what they don't at the same time you've got to have to know exactly how much to push them because you can't leave them in this safe space forever right like they've got to leave the nest so it's, it's a difficult balance
1: i think for me like i kind of i saw the appeal of both sides i guess like go have the college experience but for me i like having kind of like the smaller college experience where I stayed like closer to home. It was a lot cheaper. And that was years ago. So I can only imagine going to college right now. Yeah, These are uh like parents are they running are. around screaming like what is happening. Do you have any advice for like employers to kind of help parents in this?
0: Yeah. I, I think so. I'm- that's such a great question. I think, you know, I wish in this country we had free college and I right. wish we had better sort of transitional kind of programs for students to go from high school to college without that giant culture shock that you were talking about. Um, Our counselors are completely overloaded in our school system, right? They just can't do it all. There's too many kids. Not enough counselors and the problems are too big. So I wish at, you know, a societal level, we put more investment into those things. Absent that, I think there's a lot of stuff that employers can do to support the working parents that they have at their companies. Working parents are um, feeling the squeeze a little bit differently than people who don't, who don't have kids because of this mental health crisis, the school safety issues, like all of the stuff that we've been talking about. And so they're, they're distracted. Rightly, you know, most of the reason people even go to work is so they can provide for their kids, right? The whole reason they're doing this is for their children. If their children are struggling, well, that's going to be their priority, as it should be, right? And so mental health support for parents, I think, is really, really valuable. But I also think mental health support for the children of your employees is also very, very helpful to allow employees to access. And then, you know, just speaking from, like, you know, my role This kind of college information um, is is out there, right? There are great websites and blogs and video subscriptions and things like that. You can get this information. But there's so much of it out there, and some of it is not that clear, and some of it is targeted towards a specific kind of audience and not this other kind of audience. Um, So it's hard for folks to, to filter through it and figure out, okay, well, what's relevant for me? Um, but this, this kind of information is something that employers could easily provide to their, to their families and maybe even offer college tuition support or financial planning advice, um, on, you know, how to put aside money for college so that you can, you know, pay for your child's education. I know that there are companies out there that contract with like bright horizons. For example, now they run a bunch of daycares and preschools, but they also have a college consulting arm that they will make accessible to companies, right? So um, I, I used to, when I lived in New York City, I used to go into different um, offices and just give a presentation on this is what we need to be thinking about. In terms of college. And, you know, a lot of parents were like, wow, that is so different from when I went to college or I never would have thought that we need to think about, you know, how we spend our time outside of school in this right. way. And so I think the, the more good information that employers can make accessible to their employees, the better off we'll be. And hopefully they won't be stressing about things they don't need to worry about. They'll have access to resources that they do really need
1: um, to support their kids. So, Sheila, before we go, I always ask a little question. Okay. So do you have any advice or tips for parents and teens that, but that can actually help them support their teens with their mental health that stem from academic? I know especially kids that are pressured to no matter what, I feel like they can never relax and they often have high anxiety and can be super easy, especially time for graduation and signing up for college with the immense pressure of school and their parents. So do you have any tips on how to help kind of guide parents with their teens? Yeah,
0: I wish I had like a silver bullet. Of course, I don't. <laughs> as it was. Um, but there are two things that I might offer. One is I think that there is not enough reflection and mindfulness happening in the world in general. And if that's a practice, you can start with your family, whether it looks like meditation, whether it looks like, um journaling or going on a nature walk or, you know, something just a little bit more reflective to build into your family system, your family routine, that can work wonders, having that outlet. I know we had a lot of families actually that told me they started doing this during COVID is they would go for a morning walk. There was nothing to do. <laughs> And they're like, we're going on a walk, and they would just go on a walk around their neighborhood or whatever. And, you know, they got to see some people at a distance, they got to take in some nature, they get a little exercise, and they spend time together as a family. And it really changed the dynamic. They were able to have hard conversations on that walk, or they were able to kind of prepare themselves mentally for the stress of the day that was coming, because they had this sort of moment of quiet. So integrating some sort of mindfulness practice i think can be very valuable the other thing that i would say is one thing that can really help with that comparison factor right that can sometimes contributes to anxiety is just volunteering getting involved with something bigger than yourself helping out a community that's in need packing meals at the soup kitchen or sorting clothes at you know whatever place collects clothes um doing a river cleanup you know, things like that help you kind of get out of your own bubble. And, you know, it's not like, let's deal, let's hang out with people who are less fortunate to make me feel good about myself. Right. But it's really not like, well, I have all this privilege, I should give back, right? I should be grateful. And, you know, gratitude is in a lot of ways, a sort of antidote to that anxiety and that feeling of not good enough, because uh, it leads to this mindset of abundance, not scarcity, like, oh, I'm never going to get into that college versus, oh, there's so many great colleges for me to choose from that I would be able to, you know, live a happy life and and learn what I need to learn. And so, you know, some people talk about it as a, you know, a spiritual commitment, just like giving to a community, something greater than yourself can be very helpful in that way as well.
1: Yeah, I think practicing gratitude has one thing that I've really tried to focus on this year. So I feel like, like I said before, sometimes there's like a really small college box. You just think of those big names and that's it. Like if you're not getting into one of those, there's no such thing as college. And it's like, no, I, there's so many other ways
0: for mm-hmm, education mm-hmm. at this
1: point. So I think that's a really good thing to like practice gratitude and be like, Oh, okay, I I have so many other options if this one thing doesn't necessarily doesn't work out. out. Yeah, and exactly. I feel like it, Kind of takes away the pressure also because it's not just that one thing that like if it doesn't happen it exactly. really falls apart.
0: It, and it helps you take the power back a little bit right. too yeah. yeah it can be very empowering
1: well sheila thank you so much for being on the show today i've really enjoyed talking to you and i'm so glad that i got to have this conversation it, like yeah perfect time for me because that's you know, a great yeah over. this is a lot of fun i hope it was helpful <laughs> we just talking about college the other day and i was like just sweating like thinking about college tuition <laughs> and everything else so this was like perfect for me
0: <laughs> oh, good. i'm really glad
1: now, i'm glad the listeners were able to hear some valuable information about college and school because even I feel like even parents who are financially like well off, they're still stressing about it. There's always something to stress.
0: Of course, about so. there's always something to be stressed.
1: It's a huge transition, especially for the parents, especially if this is your only child or your last child leaving the nest. You've got to deal with that as well. So mm-hmm. it does get a bit. It's a lot of emotions going on. A lot is happening. Perfect time to ease everyone's mind and kind of give people again other more options. Like that one. School is not the only school in the world. (laughs) Right, right. So before we go today, uh, where can everyone find you on social media to chat or get more information Sure. you in the future?
0: I try to stay off social media myself, but <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. If you just look up my name, Sheila Akbar, or you look up Signet Education on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Um, I try to share a lot of really great information and free events and stuff like that uh, on my LinkedIn. So you can look there. And then there's our website, at signeteducation.com. You can learn more about my team and, and kind of our philosophy.
1: Awesome. Well, all right, y'all, I will make sure I put all of Sheila's information in the show notes so everyone can check her out and get some college information. I know that is very dire need right now, especially coming back from the COVID wave and everything else. Everyone's trying to get their footing again, I feel. So thank you again, Sheila, for coming on today and being a guest on the show. All right. Thank you so much. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. I hope you learned as much as I did, and that it gives you a little more insight on ways to improve your chances of getting into the college of your dreams, or even changing your plans now that you know there are many other options out there for you. I'm also sorry for the sound quality. This was recorded before the new year, so it was before I had a new mic. So I know on my end, it was definitely touch and go. But thank you if you hung in there. I will leave all of Sheila's information in the show notes so you can check her out and get in contact with her for any questions you may have or information that wasn't covered today. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and your continued support. If you haven't already, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You can even just leave five stars on Apple. You don't even have to type words if that's not your thing but it really helps me out with ranking and I will show up more on podcasting platforms. So more listeners can find me. Let me know you're listening and you love it. Share the love by taking a screenshot of today's episode or just copying the link, share and tag me at the awkward mom stage on Instagram or at awkward mom stage on Twitter. So others can find me as well. I'll reshare them and shout you out on the podcast as a thank you. If you'd like to donate to the show to help with behind the scenes or you just want to buy this hot mess mama a coffee, you can do so with the support the show link. If you're enjoying the show so far and you have topics you want me to cover or someone you think should be a guest on the show, send me a DM, an email, and let me know. Until next week, y'all, I hope you have a great Friday or whichever day you're listening to this. And always remember you're beautiful. Bye after everything the world has been going through lately i know being alone with your thoughts can be an isolating feeling especially the stay-at-home parent gang sorry but your dog isn't interested in giving you life advice but as someone who has seen the extreme depths of depression postpartum depression anxiety and stress myself it can and often will allow those intrusive thoughts and negativity to consume you after going through an extremely tough year dealing with a miscarriage, loss, and so much more, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, definitely came to my rescue and they're here to help you too. BetterHelp has customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to leave your house or see anyone on camera if you don't want to. There's a broad range of expertise on BetterHelp and with over 20,000 plus therapists in their network, it's so easy to find the right therapist for you. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. You schedule your secure video or phone sessions and you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist anytime. I've used BetterHelp for over three years. It was definitely helpful when I moved to a new state and knew absolutely no one. When I needed a new therapist but couldn't leave because of lockdown, BetterHelp was there. Those unlimited texts to my therapist came in handy. Everything you share is completely confidential and you can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. So many people are already using BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com AwkwardMomStage. That's BetterHelp.com slash awkward mom stage the link is in the show notes mental health is so important and so are you if you feel that you need help with more than just figuring out who you are or if you just need someone to talk to better help makes it easy to find a therapist that's right for you thanks for joining me this week on the awkward mom stage podcast Make sure to visit our Instagram page at The Awkward Mom Stage, where you can follow and find information on next week's show, updates for the podcast, behind the scenes clips and more. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast shows. While you're at it, if you're enjoying the show, I'd appreciate it so much if you rate the show on iTunes or share this podcast with a friend. Be sure to tune in next week for an all-new episode. I hope you have an awesome week. Always remember you're beautiful, Lola.